Howdy, y'all. It's time for Go Fight Win, the show with all the high school football stories you love. On this week's episode, I'll speak with Jeff Francoeur, big-time Major League Baseball player. But before that, he was a legend in his hometown playing for the Parkview Panthers. He has some great stories to share there. Plus, Coffee Town football takes on Holy Cloud, and there is a holy disturbance before this football game. You won't want to miss that. And as always, the best high school football headlines and stories that y'all shared with me over the past few days it's time for Go Fight Win. Fix that butt pad. Let's go. Episode 7 of Go Fight and Win. Got a touchdown and a PAT on the board. How about that? Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching wherever you find this show. It's fun to do it each and every week. Such a blessing to me to relive so many glory days stories from people that I respect and admire in my craft and my career, uh, but also take a look at some of the crazy things that are going on around high school football in the country, the sport that we all love. If this is your first time checking it out, I invite you to hit like and subscribe and tell your buddies about it. It's the best feedback I have for how this show is doing, how it's going, how it's growing. So thank you for helping me do that. Plus, if you want to support the show, support the brand, you have t-shirts, hats, mugs from the Go Coffee Town team store. You like Coffee Town Varsity football? Well, rep it, wear it, sip out of it, tell everyone how much you love it. Things I love are the stories that y'all shared with me and some things that I found looking at high school football from the past several days. Let's start in Texas, where a referee grabbed a player's face mask and ripped his helmet off of his head. That's right. This story out of Dallas-Fort Worth, NBC5, out of DFW, has the story here. And David Haynes III is the player. He's the coach's son uh, for Whitney High School. Whitney was taking on Dallas-Madison. And on this play, uh, David was back in coverage. He's playing linebacker. He runs right in the path of the referee and this happens. You know, referees getting caught in the line of fire all the time in high school football games. Sometimes they'll take a pass to the dome. Sometimes they'll get trucked by a running back. But it's not often that the linebacker causes so much disturbance that the ref rips his helmet off. Here's what Coach said, Coach Haynes. He says, uh, the official, I see he has a helmet in his hands, and I don't know what's going on. I'm asking him. And then he said that, you know, we had somebody, one of our players, tried to maliciously run him over, Haynes recalled. Now, I'll let y'all be the judge. I'll have a link to this play in the show's description if you want to watch it. But it's kind of crazy to me that a ref would actually take the kid's helmet off. I mean, you hear people say sometimes, uh, we're playing not only against the team across the field from us, we're playing against the refs too. Well, Whitney was literally playing against this referee. And there's something going on in high school football right now, in high school sports in general, where there's kind of a staffing shortage of officials and referees and they're having a hard time fielding some games. I've seen some games get canceled early on in the season because there's just not enough people doing it. And I know it's hard to find good work, but come on, ref. That's not your job, man. They're not literally playing against you. And if this is a, you know, if he's on offense, right, because Whitney's on defense here, that's a 15-yard penalty, illegal hands to the face, unsportsmanlike conduct. Can somebody throw a ref a flag? Can, can they penalize the ref? Get him out of the game. Now, here's the kicker on this. If you get suspended in one of these games, according to the rule books they have out there in Texas, and this is Dallas-Fort Worth, this is big boy football, then you get suspended for the next game, too, if you get thrown out of the game. So Haynes third, old trip out there just doing his job, trying to play ball. He accidentally runs into the ref, and the ref 
stands his ground, plants his feet. This is a big official here. And he throws his helmet off and then throws him out of the game. To say that it was malicious, uh, clearly not. When you watch the play, I don't know what was going on before that. I don't want to speculate, certainly, but no matter what happened, whether the player ran into you on purpose or not, you're a grown man. Why are you taking the kid's helmet off? Get a grip, man, on something that is not a helmet. So we'll see what happens. Coach's wife caught the uh, incident on camera there, and it's it's tough. Coach says he's a great kid, don't want him to be suspended in a senior year for playing football the right way. Certainly don't want to see that. Not worth getting your helmet ripped off, not worth getting kicked out of the game. Uh, not Dallas Fort worth it, certainly. So I hope there's an update here, and I hope this kid gets back on the field certainly sooner than the, uh, the, the officials think that he should. I mean, when you're practicing football plays, all right, I played a few years myself. wasn't great by any means. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't be doing this show probably. But you're not practicing to run over the ref. Coach isn't saying, hey, let's get this Oklahoma drill. Let's get this spider drill. Hey, uh, one of you scout team guys, get a uh, striped shirt on. Let's run through. Let's run through the ref. Let's practice that play and uh, keep discipline. Keep your pad level down and take out the official. All right, good job, son. That's not how it's going. Certainly not at Whitney High School, I don't think. But uh, let, let's, let's keep an eye on this and, and see what happens to the ref. I've been to some games where you're not safe as an official making it back out to your car, and I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this official, but y'all say a prayer for him too because this is Texas football, and that could have gotten ugly really quick in a lot of different ways. Here's one y'all sent me to at Go Coffee Town on X, courtesy of Caleb Jones on Rivals. Where does he work? He covers Auburn, so I imagine this is out of Alabama. This is what Caleb says in his tweet. I love high school football in the South. Don't we all, Caleb? The PA announcer just reminded everyone to be on the lookout for deer on the way home because, quote, it's that time of year. And when you're you know, up there in the booth, you're doing the PA, it's not only your job to call the game, it's your job to keep everyone safe, keep them safe from officials, keep them safe from projectiles, whatever's going on in the stands. You got a bird's eye view. You got to let people know what's going on out there. But this PA guy going the extra mile, letting people know, hey, don't just don't just drive home safely. Watch out for deer on the drive home. Because deer, they'll hit you. Okay, they'll hit your car. They'll lower their shoulder and they'll take you out. They're doing their own drills in the woods, looking out for cars. They got to try to do whatever they can to keep themselves safe. And the thing about a lot of deer, I imagine, I guess somewhere near half of them have horns. They got antlers. And that's more than a helmet. That's more dangerous than a, a middle linebacker coming through your windshield. So you got to be careful, and I do appreciate this PA announcer's gumption to let people know that it's dangerous. you got to be careful out there. It is this time of year. The deer are out, and they are merciless. There's about four of them watching me do this show right now, just trying to get in, just clawing at the window, using their hoofs. Let us in. you got to be careful for these deer because it's not just the deer out there when you're driving home reminiscing on how great your game was or how awful it was when the ref took the kid's helmet off. You got to be focused. You got to be locked in. No distractions. There's not just deer out there. There's armadillos. There's possums. Things get squirrely. There's squirrels out there too. Don't try to swerve them. Slam on the brakes. That's my PSA for the show today. I don't know if I'm qualified to share that or not, but don't swerve to miss a deer or uh, an armadillo possum out there. Don't check to see if that possum's dead. Just keep moving. Get home. Get home safely. The deer are going to try to get you. 
Okay. Cause they are wild animals at the end of the day. That's, that's what they do. You're on their turf. Yeah. Did, did we make the highway? Probably uh, more, more than likely that's a man-made highway, but they're, you know, they're playing their own games. Okay. And they're playing defense too. And uh, you don't want to run into one of those suckers. So be careful out there. Team bus drivers, don't be texting. Don't get lost in the in the jams of the team that just won the road game going back to their home high school. Keep your eyes on the road, please. Watch out for deer. It is that time of year. What a wonderful time it is, but also kind of dangerous. More wild animal news here. This one's out of Florida, Panama City Beach. WJHG and WECP teamed up to report on this. Student reportedly bit by snake on Breakfast Point practice field. Breakfast Point is a, an academy, not just a place where people meet and congregate and break bet, bread and uh, have a couple biscuits and coffee and, o- and orange juice. This is an academy called Breakfast Point. Just want to clear that up for everybody. Here's a story. A student at Breakfast Point Academy in Panama City Beach was reportedly taken to the hospital after being bitten by an unknown snake on the school's practice field Wednesday evening. A source who was on the field at the time, we got some investigative journalism here, told News Channel 7 that the student, a football player, was on the field running a drill when he said he thought he was bitten by a snake. Now, if you've ever been to Florida, you know that anything can bite you down there. It could be a snake, it could be some other critter, can be someone on your own team, a waitress at the Waffle House, you don't give her a good enough tip, watch out for those teeth. But this guy got bit. Uh, he's actually a middle schooler, but it's on a high school football field, so we'll loop it into this show because I think it fits fits the brand. It is on brand. But he got bit by the snake, got taken to the hospital. And one lesson that this kid will learn from this is you got to keep your feet moving at all times, son. You got to keep your ankles chopping at all times. Idle ankles or the devil's workshop on a high school football field. Keep them high. Keep them moving. Do not stand around. Do not walk through my drill. Because guess whose drill that also belongs to? That's right, a snake. One thing I know about snakes, doing some research, living in uh, in Georgia for my whole life, there's copperheads everywhere. Coffee Town copperheads too. Go copperheads. But the thing about snakes is you got to be careful out there because if you get bit by a baby copperhead, and I don't know if this was a copperhead, the kid had no venom in his blood. He does now, by God. I got venom in my blood, coach. I'm ready to go. And he actually went back to school the next day, this report says. But the baby snakes don't have a spigot on that poison. They'll pump you full of it. The grown-ups have a little bit more restraint. They'll give you that warning bite, give you a dry strike is what they call it. And they won't pump the venom in right away. They'll, they'll give you a warning, and this may have been the case. Maybe it was a non-venomous snake. I find that hard to believe. It's Florida. I think every snake is venomous down there. I think you even have some venomous children that you got to watch out for that that have some venom in their teeth. But um, this kid got bit. He lived to tell the tale. And I guarantee he's going to keep his feet chopping every single play. Because on a Friday night, it's better to get bit on a Wednesday at practice than get bit on a Friday night by the opposition. Some kid out there has gingivitis. You're going to be out for a couple weeks as you try to fight off that infection. So I'm glad that this uh, young man is okay. And let's just all be wary. Watch your feet. Even on a football field, you got to be wary. These reptiles are everywhere, and they will take it to you. They will take you to the woodshed. Glad he's okay. Next story comes uh, from a friend, Allison Mastrangelo, working at WSB in Atlanta. 
This is a photo that if you're just listening uh, on the podcast, I'll also have a link to this and all the stories if y'all want to you know, check me for fake news. But if you can't see this photo, Allison says, this guy on Walton High School staff has the best mullet in Georgia. There's literally no competition. Allison, I will say this. I respect you as a journalist, but it's not literally no competition in the state of Georgia. This is not an open and shut case. There is a lot of competition out there. And I'll say this kid, it's a good mullet on the back. On the front, could use a little bit of cleanup. There, it's a little unkempt. Maybe uh, cut that down a little bit, put some product in there if you want to sharpen it up. But on the back, you know, on the sides, his ears are clear. They're free. And his neck is well covered, as is the collar on his shirt. It goes about an inch below the collar on the back of his shirt. This coach is ready to go. He looks like he's about 13, maybe a wig, got a little bit of scruff on his face. I don't care how old he is. I'm listening to what he says. He tells me to go out there and suit up. Yes, coach, I'm listening. Um, because he's fierce. He's got the Dion shades on, and he's ready to go. They play ball out there at Walton in a town called Marietta or Mayretta, depending on where you grew up and which denomination you are. And I think this thing is probably the best Marietta mud flap that you're going to see. So congratulations to him and congratulations to Walton. That is a nice mullet. Uh, but I'd love to see some competition from around the country. If you have good mullets on your team, and I just mean coaches, every player has a mullet these days. So it, it needs to be an exemplary mullet if it's a player. But if you got a coach on your team, uh, chain gang, someone in the stands that you see, tag at Go Coffee Town on X and Instagram, and we'll break down some mullets. Maybe we'll have a mullet competition at the end of the season here. All right, coming up. A lot of mullets at Coffee Town football games. They're taking on holy cloud and holy cow. There is a holy disturbance before this game kicks off. Holy cloud at Coffee Town. Eagles are 0-4. Lost each ball game by an average of four touchdowns. Let's keep that trend going. Get some backups in before playing Briarton next week. Holy Cloud's chaplain is leading the team in their pregame prayer on the Copperhead at midfield. I don't believe it. They call it the Birds of Prey, but they usually do it in the end zone. They better be reading from the book of Revelations if they're doing it on our logo. I'm all for letting the spirit move, but the Lord also tells us to seek wisdom. And Holy Cloud seeking wisdom teeth removal here tonight. We won the coin toss and Biscuit Bryant had to hold Reptile Henderson back. They would have needed two biscuits down there if it was me. I am hot. Reptile Henderson working in the pocket. And you got all the time in the world behind those blocks. He could fry a bologna sandwich back there. Holy Cloud's pass rush is about as effective as a perforated seatbelt. Reptile just letting it all develop like the photo lab at Eckers. And he likes a picture. Unloads a deep ball to Love Houston. He's wide open. 70 yards on the Coffee Town touchdown. Yeah! Houston is the fastest player on the team. Put a little jitterbug on one of Holy Cloud's cornerbacks. And when he stood up, he had his helmet on backwards. These boys ain't prepared for this. Y'all say a prayer for them. That long score brought to you by Copperhead Movers. If you got a load to haul, call Copperhead Movers, and we'll carry it all to pay dirt as long as it ain't breathing or illegal. Our academic athlete this week is Coffee Town kicker Chipshot Kaminsky. Chipshot kicks barefoot after a jet ski accident took off a fifth of his kicking foot when he was in kindergarten. Still can't find any cleats to fit him. You're four out of five on field goals this year, Chip Shot, so missing a fifth is a theme for you, I guess. 
But jet skis giveth and they taketh away, son. You think your mama and daddy let me borrow it for a date night before it gets too cold out there? Coffee Town up 42-0. Got the third string in there now. Spanks Tarver, our second string linebacker in at quarterback. He unloads a long, high pass. Looks like a punt right into the arms of a holy cloud cornerback. And Tarver is already there to light him up. Spanks just won a little live action practice at linebacker, it looks like. Always good to put something on film, I guess. Coffee Town gets the win, 42-0. Might be time for some of them holy cloud boys to think about switching up to cross country. Y'all pray about it on the bus ride home. Our guest is a first-round MLB draft pick, Gold Glove Award winner, and the Braves TV analyst. Pretty cool career. Go Braves. They're doing all right. More importantly than that, though, this guy was a two-time state baseball champ and a two-time football champ, 1,000-yard receiver as a senior, a 15-interception season as a junior. That was a county record, and he's a Georgia High School Football Hall of Famer. He's Jeff Francoeur. What's up, Frenchy? Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Wes. I'm, I'm going to start bringing you with me to introduce me everywhere, man. I feel good. <laughs> uh, no, nah, thank you, man. It, yeah, for with the Braves, it has been a great year. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch and, and to call and work with. But uh, yeah, high, high school is still a lot of what I love to talk about too. So man, I, I appreciate that introduction. I saw a quote that said, and this was from several years ago, it said that if you didn't make it into the big leagues or play sports, you would have wanted to be a high school football coach. Is that still true? That is very true. So a couple of weeks ago, Parkview and North Gwinnett played, and I was announcing. But while I was announcing, I had my computer pulled up and watching the game uh, during the Braves game. So I'm, I'm very passionate about it. Uh, I loved everything about Friday night football. And yeah, it's exactly what I wanted to do. Now, obviously, things have changed a little bit, and I got four kids at home and doing other stuff. So that time is kind of not there, but uh, I wouldn't mind maybe down the road doing some uh, football coaching on Friday nights. What draws you to the game still? What is still timeless about it to you all these years later? I love the work ethic that you have to have in football. I, I tell my kids all the time, like, we used to get done with school at 210, the bell would ring you go down to the locker room and we were there together from three to seven, uh, whether we were watching film for 45 minutes and then out to the practice field. You know, I always say co uh, practices now aren't as long because of the restrictions and, and hitting and everything they do. But when I was there, you know, we used to practice, man, coach Flo would have us out there till seven, seven thirty, and turn the lights on. But I loved everything that led up until Friday night. And, and, you know, just the discipline that you have to have to to obviously not just play football, but to be part of something special and a good team. And I was lucky. We had a lot of guys that felt the same way I did. And, uh, you know, it ended up paying off for us in high school. We had a, a fellow Parkview great, Matt Stinch, come on, and his uh, experience was a little bit different as he was starting out before Parkview was at the crest of that yep. wave that y'all rode for several years. But Tell me what your experience was like. What was the average home game like for a Parkview football game when you were playing? Well, it was awesome because Matt really was the, the group that kind of turned it around and, and turned it into kids want to play for Parkview football. And I always laugh in, in, in even being involved. You know, my kids go to Buford now, but we take them to the games, being involved in the community because I remember me and my dad, from seven years old on, we did not miss a Friday night Parkview football game. You know, whether it was 
at Habersham Central or, you know, Jonesboro early in the season, we would pack up the car Friday and we would drive. And so for a lot of us younger kids that were playing second grade, third grade, fourth grade, you know, the idea of like the big leagues for us was playing Parkview football. And so I think whenever we got that opportunity, guys were just, they were working their tails off, trying to get better. And so I think that always kind of went hand in hand. Guys could not wait to play at the high school level. And I think that always made a big difference. Yeah, I mentioned the individual success you had, and obviously your team had a lot of success as well. What was it like for you personally to be in that moment and be on that ride as Gwinnett County football was kind of on the rise as well? Now it's just such a machine and such a monster. But uh, to be one of the focal points of the team, did you take the moment, take the time in the moment to appreciate what you were accomplishing as a football player and as a baseball player? Yeah, for sure. I, I'd, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't realize some of the special things I was able to accomplish. And, and I think it's good to enjoy that. You know, if you work like that and you put the time in, you know, those are fun moments that you always want to, to remember. But for me, I think at the same time, I had such great teammates and teammates that were close friends of mine. And so it was always awesome because we lifted each other up. We pushed each other, um, you know, to, to take us to a whole nother level. And I think the cool thing was, too, is I always remember watching the Michael Jordan documentary over, I think it was over COVID, right, where, yep. where everybody in the world is watching. I love what he said. He said, I wanted to take my teammates and let them go to another level, let them experience what that winning was like. And, you know, for me, I think I, I felt um, an obligation because – you know, I knew that I could push some of these guys and get more out of them maybe than what they were giving. And, um, you know, when you do that and you have other great players come alongside you, you know, you can do great things. And I think we did it the right way. We had a lot of fun doing it. That's what I tell people too. It wasn't like it was all work. I mean, trust me, we, we got in trouble at football practice for goofing off and had to run and do different stuff like that. We, we had a good time. But we also knew what was at stake. And we also knew that if we worked hard, that on Friday nights, it would pay off. You mentioned the uh, trips you'd go on with your dad and not missing those Parkview football games. Yeah. That Brookwood rivalry, I, I went to Collins Hill High School, but even I knew that y'all hated each other. So when yeah. you were growing up, how early was that instilled in you that Brookwood was the enemy? Man, early, early on. I, I remember my brother was four years older than me and a, a coach named Jerry Parker, who was uh, the high school football offensive line coach, but he was also um, the ninth grade basketball coach. When my brother was on ninth grade basketball team, he used to tell my brother that it was a sin to drive by Brookwood and look at the school. You always look away and you never look at the school. And I always laugh because I remember thinking that's like one of the first things I heard. But even in fifth grade, that was circled on your calendar when you played them during the during the season it was either at mountain park or bethesda park and you just kind of grew up with that rivalry. i mean it was 5.2 miles away and it was basically connected by five forks trickham road and that's how you got there and i always say you know it brought the best out of us and we brought the best out of them there's no doubt we played some epic games back in the day yeah i mean y'all were cruising you know those undefeated seasons but uh what kind of stories do you have from how Brookwood made life difficult for you and how, how you made it difficult for them? Well, my my junior year is a perfect example because, you know, we won in overtime over at Brookwood. We were both 6-0. and 
I think they were two in the state at the time. We were four or five. And we went over there. And I just remember pulling up on the bus at like 5.15. And you could not get anywhere. All the seats were full. The gates were pretty much almost like, unless you had a ticket, they weren't letting anybody in. And walking down that hill to the field, like it just seemed like the biggest sporting event that I ever played. I still tell people that. Like, I don't know if I've ever had the excitement of my junior year of walking down that, playing them. And then the way we beat them uh, was even better. Going to overtime, caught the pass on, you know, fourth and goal at the 13, and then had to get the two point conversion too. And uh, we were able to do it. And, you know, we went to seven and oh, and of course, ran the table the rest of the year, but man, we had so many good games with them. My senior year, we beat them 24 to seven at our place. Um, we took it to them a little bit, but it, it was always fun. Dave Hunter was a coach. You knew they'd be well coached. Uh, you knew they'd be disciplined. And so again, like when you would get the schedule and you know, Gwinnett County now, like you said, has grown. There's so many more teams that are relevant and can knock you off each week. You know, Mill Creek, Collins Hill, different teams that have done stuff. But back then, for the most part, you knew that that Parkview-Brookwood game was going to be for the region championship. Uh, so to, to come out on top was always important. I love how you can perfectly recall the final score of those games, too, because those are the ones that oh, I, stick yeah. with you. <laughs> my wife actually gives me a hard time. She said, if I could remember anything else, like the scores or at-bats of my game. I, mean, I remember we won 18-17 in overtime. Yeah. So you should have no trouble remembering the anniversary and the birthdays of the kids and, and all <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. Stuff. Except I, I need a calendar for that. Um, y'all do a great job hosting the uh, Pure Athlete Show, and I'm going to let you speak a little bit more about that before we wrap up. But you speak a lot about letting kids play in youth sports and being well-rounded, and you were certainly well-rounded. What all did you do in high school? Uh, I know you did football and baseball. How else were you involved? And what numbers did you wear in each sport? Um, I was 12 all the way around. My dad was number 12 growing up. So one, two was the number I always wanted. I actually played base, uh, basketball my freshman year and also actually played dressed out for varsity. And going into my sophomore year, I went to summer camp with the basketball team. And I knew I'd be a starter probably. But it got to the point for us with football, you know, by going to the state championship, we were playing literally my senior year. The state championship was December 22nd. It was three days before Christmas. And then baseball would start January 15th. So it just got to the point where it was, Wes, it was too tough to balance and, and go. I was two months late to basketball if I had played. And at that point, I kind of knew that baseball and football were my two niches, were my two sports. But you can, you can ask Coach Richardson, who I love, our basketball coach. I was still at every game to cheer on my buddies as a fan, you know, whether it was a midweek game, weekend game, to watch them. But it just had become too hard. But, yeah, I, we started a, a podcast called Pure Athlete uh, with two men, Britt Lee and Brad Williams. And basically our, our whole thing is about youth sports. And when we got together to talk about it, it was – you know, how can we impact and give a forum for coaches, parents, and athletes to walk through this journey? Because one of the best times you hear how passionate I am and all the athletes that we get, if you listen to our podcast, you'll tell how passionate they are talking about their youth sports journey because it's so much fun. And now as a parent, seeing my kids, there's no better joy than seeing my kids smile while they're out there playing sports and loving it and become passionate about whatever they're doing. So, you know, that that's pretty much what it is. Now that I'm a dad and I have kids, you're seeing different 
things that you never saw when you were younger. And it's the money grabs. It's, it's, you know, do more, more, more as far as, you know, lessons in this, do less sports, specialize more. And it's just everything I disagree with in youth sports. And so it's been fun to get other perspective from, from great athletes, some great coaches of, of how they think that, you know, you should do. And, and majority of them are kind of on schedule with what, with what we talked about, even like, you know, John Isner, who's a great tennis player who we had on until 15, he played tons of sports, basketball, even said he played baseball for a little bit, you know, and then they made that decision. So that's my big thing, man, is I love seeing kids play football, basketball, baseball, soccer. My son's playing lacrosse this year. I'll be honest. I know nothing about lacrosse, but I know that I've been to four of his games and they knocked the crap out of each other. And I've absolutely loved watching it. And so if my son's going to be that passionate about it, let's do it. it. It brings out a side of him that you love to see. And as a parent, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I, I have two little ones of my own, me and my wife, and uh, they're not quite old enough to be getting involved yet, but yep. your show has already just been a, a tremendous resource for me personally to kind of learn how to approach that and what's healthy and most importantly, what's fun. Right. And yeah, oh. we wouldn't be doing these shows if sports wasn't fun. So that's Absolutely. what it always comes and, down and to. I, me. I've said this, we've done about 40 podcasts now. And I'm telling you the amount of people that have really instilled in me some of the things they said has been worth it just doing that. And, and then hearing people like yourself and other people that we've talked about being able to navigate what that looks like. And, and, you know, because it is, there, there's gotta be a balance to a family and home life because that's important too, to be able to have family dinners and spend time together. You, your whole life can't just be sports, 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 sports. And so I think there's a good balance that hopefully we're, we're, um, you know, getting some examples out there of ways that people can do that. Amen, man. Y'all are doing a great job. And, uh, I'm going to put a link in this show. So if anyone listening hasn't gotten a chance to uh, check Pure Athlete out, definitely invite you to do that and recommend it myself because it's great. Speaking of uh, that leadership, Frenchie, when I when I say high school coach, okay, no matter the sport, no matter the level for you, who's the first coach that you think of that either you know still left a mark on you positively or you still have that funny story about that you and your teammates still laugh about when y'all get together? Well, you know, Coach Coach Hugh Buchanan, who coached the baseball team at Parkview, was, you know, he was one of those guys that was hard-nosed, disciplinarian, but at the same time, man, he taught me a work ethic. When you talk about, I'll never forget my freshman year, I was only the second freshman to ever play varsity at Parkview in the baseball program. Jeff Keppinger was the other one, and obviously he went on to play in the big leagues, and my freshman year, I took a bad BP. And I, I started walking on the field to right field uh, to go shag. And he called me in and he lit me up every which way. No cuss words, <laughs> nothing like that. But man, he instilled the fear of God in me and basically said, if you ever walk on my field again, you will never come. And we were going a week later down to Westminster and St. Thomas and to play during spring break. And I remember he said, I will tear that ticket up personally <laughs> and you will be at Meadow, you will be at Meadow Creek with the ninth grade team that next Friday. And it was unbelievable because it was like those little things meant the world. And I knew he'd follow through. Let me tell you, when he told something, he followed through. There wasn't like this thing. So, and I'll never forget 
the moment my last game in high school started, he became like a second dad to me and a best friend. Gave such guidance on pro ball, what we should do. But while I was there, man, it was like he was my coach. Um, you know, there was going to be this respect level, and he was going to do everything he could to teach you the right way to play. And I always say, man, that's the coach that I want to be. Maybe I'll be a little more, uh, gosh, is nice the word? I don't know if nice is the word, but a little more outgoing to other people. But I will tell you this, man, he knew how to get the best out of his guys. And it's another reason. I know we talked about football, but it's another reason we won back-to-back in baseball and only lost three three games in two years while I was there was because because of him. That's insane. Yeah, my coaches didn't really cuss either. And yeah, to me, there's something about being able to get someone's attention without cussing. And I know there are great coaches that do that. Uh, that's just how they do it. That's how they learn how to do it. But if you're able to get a message across without dropping a four-letter word and yeah. still chew somebody out like that, to me, there's something powerful about that. Like It still worked for me, too, even though they, they didn't cuss very much. Absolutely. Look, you get to the pro level and even some of these colleges, I, I get it. I hear it. But at high school, I, I'm not into that, man. You're st- the kids are still kids. They're still developing. They're still learning. You can set a great example without doing that to the kids. Like I said, my, my dad never cussed in front of us. And trust me, I, he was the scariest man that I was ever around. So uh, it, you don't have to have that to, to get your point across. I normally ask people on here what their best high school football moment was. I have a specific one for you, though, that kind of fits the brand of this show. We highlight a lot of absurd, funny, lighthearted high school <laughs> stories. You, you were playing in the state championship game at Northside when the lights went out, right? Were you on that yes, team? Yes, I was. Oh, absolutely. So what happened, man? What do you remember about that? I just remember the greatest thing was the fact that the lights went out and our defense regrouped for 12 minutes because Chancey Stuckey was driving it down our throats and there's nothing we could do about it. But the great thing was we were at Northside. So it's not like it was our fault that the lights went out. If that game was at Parkview, it could have got a little more hairy when you talk about why did the lights go out. But, you know, there were so many people there. The game obviously was on on GPTV, as all the state championships were, and so many media outlets because they were 14-0, we were 14-0, you know, we were on a 29-game win streak, so there were people from everywhere, and there was so much talent, so I think from what I heard, it just legitimately overloaded the generator or whatever they had, and the lights cut off for like 10 minutes, and it was in the fourth quarter, and two plays later... Uh, he pitched the ball and we hit their tailback and he fumbled and we got on it and we ran the clock out. Yeah, you knocked his lights out. Here's my uh, theory on that though, Jeff. My first job out of college in broadcast was working in Macon and that's right by Warner Robins and Northside there. They share that stadium. So part of me has always wondered if there wasn't some Warner Robins team dad or team mom that just so happened to trip on that switch. And if they did, I'll send them a Christmas present for the rest of my life because I appreciate them turning that light, turning the lights. I, we always say, you know, that song, that's the night that the lights went yeah. out in Georgia, man. Yeah, what a, what a sweet memory. Uh, last one for you. Yep. Can you remember your pregame playlist? Whatever you were listening to on your CD player, your Walkman, that was motivating you before your games back in the day, one or two tracks that hyped you up back then? 
Yes. So we had a thing that we would get to the locker room and we all listened to Brian Adams, 18 till I die. And that was kind of like a thing. And then of course, you know, our stadium was called the big orange jungle. So after the coaches gave their talk, we would all get in the middle and we'd play welcome to the jungle. And uh, everybody would just obviously go crazy, banging helmets, looking like, you know, whatever. And then we'd, we'd run out the tunnel, but th those were always kind of my, my my thing we, we would do the brian, brian adams we would replay it all the time before we went out and then before the game we would play uh welcome to the jungle that's so cool man uh jeff thank you so much dude I, it, it's been great to go down memory lane with you and kind of actually dig into your high school football career watched everything you did as a pro and kind of knew what you did as a high schooler but uh it's cool to to chat with you and hear your emphasis on sports these days. Where can people find more of Jeff Francoeur outside of Pure Athlete? Let everyone know what you have going on this postseason in Major League Baseball, man. Well, I'll be doing the actually the Braves for TBS. So luckily the uh, NL this year is, uh, you know, they switch every year. So TBS has a National League. So I will be on the Braves NLDS and – uh, if they win and can get to the NLCS, I will also be on that call, which was fun. You know, I got to do it two years ago with the Dodgers and Braves and, and call that series, which was an incredible series. Obviously, growing up in Atlanta and playing for the Braves, it was cool to be able to follow that. So I'll be doing that, man. And then uh, we got a lot of great guests on our Pure Athlete uh, podcast coming up. Uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. We got some some soccer players. We got uh, some quarterbacks, and uh, we're gonna do some basketball too, man. As we hit into basketball season, so I got a full slate, and I'll be uh, coaching four kids too. So, <laughs> other than that, man, uh, not much going on. Yeah, other than that, you're you're taking it easy. Thank you yeah. so much, Frenchie. Thanks, Westbrook. Thanks for having me on. A huge thanks to Jeff Francoeur as the MLB postseason begins. Timely guest, as we say in showbiz. And I uh, certainly admired his career as he played high school football and played for the Braves and played in Major League Baseball and admire what he does on the mic covering Braves baseball and what he's going to do for TBS as hopefully, for me anyway, uh, he's calling the Braves deep, deep, deep into the fall. Should be fun. And definitely check out his podcast, Pure Athlete. It's a great resource. If you got kids, you coach young kids, it just keeps your center, keeps you grounded on what it's like and what it should be like to lead your kids as they play sports. Some great stuff from them. So check that out. Thank you all for tuning in to another week of Go Fight and Win. More great guests where that came from coming up down the line. And uh, definitely encourage you once again, hit like, hit subscribe, leave us a comment, and let everyone know what you're enjoying about this show. There's nothing else out there like it. And I'm proud of that. We're celebrating the great things about high school football, shining a spotlight on the absurd and weird things that we all love and catching up with some reputable voices as they share what their high school football experience was like. It's a lot of fun for me to make it. I hope it's fun for you to listen and watch it as well. Uh, follow along at Go Coffee Town on X and Twitter as we share those stories there too. Y'all have a great week. We'll be back here next week. Every episode of Go Fight Win drops on Thursdays on all those platforms other than that CB radio in your truck. Sorry, Grandpa. Peace. Football.